0: Oh, re, are you uh are you on cloud nine like me after that Bills win last night? That fucking beat down, that nearly perfect offensive performance by Josh Allen. Oh, there was a sports ball happening. <laughs> I must have missed the memo. Yeah,
1: there was. Well, uh, so I'm told the the Buffalo Bills put on a an absolute clinic and just completely
0: uh, blew out the back doors of the. The once formidable
1: New England Patriots.
0: Mm-hmm. I bet you that Bill Belichick was tossing and turning last night in his hotel room or whatever it was. Do you think he he strikes me as the kind of guy who wears like a sleeping cap? Like you know, he wears
1: like the the long outfit yeah. and he wears like a sleeping cap. Yeah, and but he
0: goes, it, oh, but he cut he cuts the sleeping cap off halfway.
1: Oh right, yeah.
0: Yeah, I could see him just you know.
1: Oh, he cuts off the arms of the sleeping cat right. uh, of mm-hmm. the of the outfit, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, no, no. Well, he he must not have been resting too great last night, as we record on a Buffalo Bills victory Sunday. So yeah, well, yes, fuck we, that guy, fuck that guy, but not fuck you, listeners. We love you yes. here, and you have entered. You know, like you, the old. Uh, this is dating ourselves here, right? But uh, the the Twilight Zone. You'd have Rod Serling with the scary introduction. You've entered the. World of the twilight zone. We're the opposite of that. We're, you know, like you you come to the square, you turn on your little podcast app and you listen to us and you've entered into a world of good feelings and happiness and light and warmth.
0: In a confusing and disconcerting world, we're here to ground you, give you a sense of normalcy.
1: That's right. We're going to make you, you're having a normal one. With us. Yes. So crack open a beer
0: or if you're at your little desk, you know, sip your little coffee. Let's hang out. I just got to, I just got to give a shout out to my nephew, six-year-old nephew. Every time the Bills play, we ask him, are the Bills going to play like the Bills today or are they going to play like the Bozos? And every time he fucking calls it, he's got some kind of goddamn magic. Little, and, little Jimmy, the Greek. And yesterday I asked him, Hey, who are the Bills going to be the Bills or the Bozos? He said, Hmm, the Bills. And sh- sure as fuck they were shout out to your nephew and to all six-year-olds we,
1: <laughs> we we don't want them to feel excluded we we're a fan of all six-year-olds but we you know we love the ki- folks we love the kids um yeah no the, the square is for the children the square the square like wu-tang is for the children so yeah strap in we're here we also have an awesome guest um it's it's Ree and it's ryan aka snake but maybe not snake anymore
0: no, I'm still Snake. Still Snake. We, we had a Twitter poll and everyone wants Snake, so it's Snake's gonna be. You should change your Twitter name to Still Snake. Still Snake. I will do that. Still Snake on the show. Um, so it's just the two two boys
1: in the house. Uh unfortunately Jimbo Jimbo Slice cannot join us for this episode, but you know, we love him. We miss him. Uh he is also doing, like me, doing the January sixth reenactment. He he went for the second round of it i know january 6 is coming past but you know jim is just a an enthusiast on the topic so once i told him how great it was uh, to reenact it he had to just go to washington dc and mm-hmm. and climb up the Capitol steps yeah, himself. He,
0: he's a weird one he likes to reenact all the hearings afterwards the boring ass hearings yeah he loves it he's like su- such an odd duck in that way right like he you know he puts
1: on a little wig and says he's yeah. nancy pelosi and and God love him for it. He really, he really gets into it. Also, shout out to Adrian Snape, last week's co-host, who well, pretty much almost Wally pipped me on my own show. Just came in here and uh, knocked it out of the park. A lot of positive feedback. Lot too much positive feedback. Some mm-hmm. might say I, I might be you know feedbacking my way out of the show if if Adrian keeps it up. But no, in all sincerity, she she did fantastic. So thank you, Adrian, for filling in more than admirably for me on the square with the hosting duties but we're here this week so if you want to listen to that episode you can but we're here baby we're in the future we are uh, obviously celebrating the bills right and we're not the sports podcast so you know we can talk about the bills i guess a little bit more oh, yeah. but i want to talk a little bit about uh the bills owner for a moment oh.
0: yes we Is are all still ralph wilson
1: yeah ralph wilson oh no 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 i think he sold it or he's dead or maybe both no it is one terrence oh terrence pagula terry fella terrence pagula mr pagula if you're freaky yes terry pagula still the owner of the buffalo bills and the buffalo sabers i suppose if you want to count that as anything terry pagula he uh he's worth Somewhere, almost, uh almost around six billion dollars. Right, a, a few bill, a few Billy, a right? little more than I'm worth. Chump change to some, but mm. to us, you know, probably life changing. I would say it's not
0: Elon Musk money.
1: It's not Elon Musk money. That's true. Do you think they go to parties with Elon Musk and he's just like, no, no, he's
0: a different tier of billionaire. Here
1: comes like, the single billionaires, I, I single feel, digit billionaires. Yeah,
0: I think like he's in the fully insane billionaire mode, like Elon and and uh, Jeff Bezos. They're in the fully insane. I think I think he's probably low tier billionaire where um, you know they, they definitely think their shit doesn't stink, but they're they're still a little bit grounded in reality, right? Like all the, the gross, yeah. Like, w- he he still stuff. like he still has financial concerns about whether he can afford this yacht next year. Where someone like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, well, oh, I'm gonna take a rocket to the moon. Well, you know Terry's
1: hurting so bad, Rye, that um, you know. We actually found out, thanks to uh, the folks at ProPublica, yeah. that, you know, God love him, Terry Pagula qualified for the federal government's uh, stimulus package. Well,
0: I hope I hope he used it uh, for good purposes. Yes, I bet he really needed it.
1: Yeah, no, he's really, you know, really struggling, like you said. I mean, the the cost of yachts these days is is frankly astronomical, and. Mm-hmm. You know, you really want to see good things happening to good people. So Terry Pagula qualifying for the stimulus along with uh, there's a whole host of other billionaires. George Soros and his son both both received it. Some other shithead owners of sports teams, whatever. But basically they had, you know, some accountant cooking their books and doing the taxes. Yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations, Mr. Pagula on your twelve hundred Stimulus and hopefully, much like all of your other money that you've made, hopefully it goes to a good place, you know, like destroying the earth or uh, putting the buffalo sabers into absolute uh, abomination. Jizz hats, jizz hats, jizz hats. But you know what? It's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? At least not for the billionaire Mm -hmm. class. For the rest of us working schmucks, this is pretty good news. We have uh, seen. The fire that was lit here in Buffalo. Oh my God, what with, a fire it
0: is. Fire. With the Starbucks unionization efforts. They're popping up all over the places these these stores wanting to unionize. All over the country. Well, first off, we had the second confirmed location pop That's up That's right, here. the Cheektawaga across from the airport.
1: Yes, yes.
0: The Starbucks
1: out on Genesee Street officially confirmed as union after a bit of tussle back and forth.
0: Our friend of the pod, Brian Noack, should be very proud of that. For sure. Brian, uh, not, not,
1: the workers should be proud of that first, but then Brian should be proud that well, those sure. workers are in his district. Of course. No, to your point, nationally, Starbucks, we've seen um, Chicago, I believe, uh, Hopewell, New Jersey, um, a whole plethora of locations that are popping up with unionization efforts nationally. The cat's out of the bag. You know, we've opened Pandora's box. Whatever turn of phrase that you'd like to use for... This national uh, service worker unionization rally—it's going on, man.
0: It's long overdue.
1: Let me let me ask you—you know—it's it's just the two of us this week. I don't get I don't get enough time to talk to you, right? Just the two of us. Just the two of us. So we, you know, me and Jim, we we say our piece here, but you you betray you betray yourself here when when you don't pipe up because I, I love to hear what you have to think. Where do you see this going? Like, t- talk to me. Are we gonna? Is is every Coffee shop going to be a union shop here or what? What's well, I don't going think on?
0: every coffee shop. I think, like, you know, your chains are probably heading that direction. At least, uh, I, I don't know about your Dunkin' Donuts and your Tim Hortons. They might have a little, a little too much power over their workers. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I hope not. I hope that your Tim Hortons and your Dunkin' Donuts are all union shops as well as your Starbucks. I feel like Starbucks ac- across the country, I, 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 10 years from now, I think it'll at least be 50% unionized, I would say probably not everywhere.
1: It'll be interesting to see how how the national movement springs up because again, like what made the the union vote in Buffalo so important, it was less about like it being in Buffalo and more about being a proof of concept.
0: I hate this word, but I I don't think the zeitgeist is going away. I think that's the word for it. I think from from a worker's perspective, people are realizing their power again. I think that's cyclical, right? I mean, we're seeing kind of what we saw probably at the turn of the 20th century in terms of worker power, right? And it'll be interesting to see when people in charge now, once they start to age out or die off or whatever, to see how, how the managerial class responds.
1: Well, I do think it's interesting too. Time. I, I do. No, for sure. And I, I think like, look, we often talk... I mean, we, this feels like an NPR thing, but <laughs> there, there's a lot of talk in like the national media over the past, like 20, 30 years, how the United States has transitioned into a service industry economy mm-hmm. that we're not, it yeah, is. Cer- certainly that there are folks who are, you know, producing machinery or parts or whatever, but by and large, I mean,
0: we've transitioned to a service industry industry there's some of that industry coming back now with all the supply chain issues but i think i don't think it's going to overturn the tide of the service industry here
1: well right but it's just interesting to see that like the labor movement ultimately had its arguably the the most success in the united states over the past 20 30 years in the service industry in the world of food service like that was somewhere that hey you hit them where they hurt because that's the area of greatest strength in the United States economy. Um, That that ultimately was where that, that it's happening because that's where the American economy is, is that it's the whole service industry economy. So it makes sense that the labor movement, the the new labor movement has sprung from that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a perfect storm of there not being enough workers anymore, pandemic happening and people feeling like rightfully so that they're entitled to they they stayed working in, in grocery stores and, and, and restaurants they risked their lives in order to provide us food and services and there should be some fucking payback
1: for sure for sure and again it's it's telling too that like that like the food service industry in particular is where it happened because like you said look they're risking their lives day in and day out to yeah. to, get,
0: to get your friggin coffee okay mm-hmm. they don't get sick days they don't get vacation days a lot of times. Right.
1: So they're, they're the ones who are, you know, schlepping out your bean juice, your, your TikTok drinks. as uh, The as, shit
0: you take for granted.
1: Yes. Yes. As
0: just being there.
1: Right. And they do it. And, and look, this would not have happened if not for the Starbucks United Workers in Buffalo yep. being the ones to do it. And uh, again, they said they were inspired, too, by the folks at Spot Coffee. Who unionized, and so mm-hmm. there's something really special happening in this country, and, and that started in Buffalo. So again, we could go on forever about the spot workers and the the Starbucks workers, but um, just want to note that hey, it's spreading. It all starts here. All starts here. You know what else starts here, Ryan? Um, well, there's a lot of things that
0: start here. There's General <laughs> lead Mills. Lead poisoning. Oh,
1: lead poisoning. Uh, General Mills. It smells like cereal uh, here sometimes. Yeah, that's a benefit. Um. I I would say something that that starts here. Maybe, all right, I'm just fucking treading water here. (laughs) Something that certainly is not new to Buffalo, though, long been here, is that the uh, preservationist mindset. Mm -hmm. That we have a lot of people who are very tied to preserving Buffalo's history
0: yeah, I'm glad they're around after the Robert Moses urban renewal days. Right, right, right. But uh, the, all this is to say that we uh, we have a lot of people who very feel
1: very passionate about preserving even things that are falling apart in in the city, including the Great Northern Grain Elevator. Hey, that's a segue. We're
0: <laughs> we're talking about the elevator. It won't go away, folks. Uh, like much like Benghazi, it is not going away. Yeah. We, so Jim and I talked about this, and, and Adrian talked about this last week on the square, and we consensus was well, we don't care one way or another. Nobody cares one way or another on the show. Let me add to the chorus of voices saying I don't really give a shit.
1: An interesting little wrinkle here is that Mayor Byron Brown uh, recently came out and said something to the effect of um, the commissioner. Uh, the let me pull up Jeff Kelly's tweet because he phrased it uh, in such a way. Well, it was basically some of the effect that like the commissioner does not have the, 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 the power to rescind a demo permit, which I think like the, the commissioner, he did do that. And then Byron Brown was like, actually, no, you can't do that. And they're going to just demo it anyway. It's, it's a lot of, yeah, the commissioner's authority to rescind or change the notice of condemnation is not specifically set forth in the city charter and city code. The mayor told the Buffalo news regarding his ish, 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 issuance, his issuance of a demo permit to ADM for the great Northern elevator today. And then he put in the legalese language from the fucking city charter that actually does give the commissioner the authority. And, and my God, I'm going to put myself to sleep here. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> I, uh, whatever. I don't care. I, I, you know what? I, I care that it's a thing that people care about. And listener, if, if you feel one way or another, if if you're mad then I'm mad, and if if you're not mad, then I'm also not mad. But yeah, tell us what to be mad about. You listeners. tell us. Come on. Tell us what to be mad about. Truthfully, here's the thing. I think it's kind of funny that uh, Byron Brown doesn't really know the city charter, <laughs> and, and he's just kind of doing things. He just learning the job. Much much like uh, Byron, yeah, just learning on the job. Yeah. Much like uh, classic Byron Brown fashion, he's just kind of doing whatever the hell he wants, and you know the rules be damned. So, whatever. They're going to knock the fucking thing down if they think they can make money off it somehow. Long story short, they'll keep it up if they think. He
0: doesn't want to manage a city. He doesn't want to make the residents of Buffalo their lives any better. He doesn't care.
1: Well, and speaking of not wanting to make the lives of the residents of Buffalo any better, moving in the state assembly right now is a good cause eviction bill. So our buddy Rob Galbraith has been banging the drum on this one. Basically, they're trying to, they're trying to limit evictions and really with the good cause that, you know, you have to present, present a good reason why you're able to evict somebody, especially like, Hey, turns out we're still in the middle of this frigging pandemic kicking people out of their homes right now, especially with limited access to housing right now. And, you know, just the housing market being what it is like, it's tough. I, I think the, uh, the moratorium was lifted a couple months ago, right? Yeah. So you're going to have a lot of people out on their ass and basically the progressive wing in the state assembly has been pushing to, to limit evictions of note with that is that there's been nobody from Buffalo. No Buffalo legislators have been on board with that or have supported it. I wish we had Jim on. Cause I know Jim is a little bit more erudite with the, the policy stuff. Me, you know, I'm the vibes guy. I'm the, I'm the move it along. I'm the, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the snake guy. You're the snake guy and you're great at it. Here's what I'll say. I, I putting aside like whatever, Fucking, we, we talk to politicians on the show quite often, and I know they have their reasons, and I know that there are a lot of a, a lot of the the palace intrigue, shall we say, things that go on. That if such and such person presents a bill, that I don't want to sign on to this because I don't want to be seen supporting you know so and so's legislation, and I get it. I mean, I understand that's how the sausage gets made. That's how. Things just get done. Uh, but at the same time, like, what the fuck are we doing here? What I mean by that is like, there is ultimately a level of responsibility you have as a public figure, as, a, as an elected official, to do something to improve people's lives. And if in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic that's still ongoing, you can't figure out a way to keep your constituents from getting kicked the fuck out of their homes left and right from getting evicted then like all the other shit doesn't matter. You know, like it, it just, you know? the rest of it is, is all window dressing to me is that if you can't, if you can't check the box of like X, Y, and Z, then why else are you like, what, what is the rest of it matter? I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I, th-
0: I think you, I think I have a few ideas on uh, what it could be. What do you think? Huh? Cloud and money, cloud and money. Come on. Power. Power. Do you think the majority of these fuckers actually want to make a difference in people's lives? Oh, I'm sure they do. I mean, there are there are a few that do.
1: Well, I think okay, I think there are a lot of people who get involved in the world of this stuff with and and again, not to wax too philosophical, but there are a lot of very well-meaning people sure. who, who get into volunteering for political campaigns. Could they come into it with like this ideological, like I'm going to change the world, I'm going to make things better. Right. And what happens is you ultimately come face to face with like, (laughs) like the, the grinding gears of the algorithm, the algorithm, the machine, the man, whatever you want to call it about our society that ultimately like undergirds the whole thing. And it's, it's nasty business. You know, it's, it's ugly, nasty business. How a lot of like our politics work, how our economy works. And so I think you reach a certain point where you're like, okay, I'm in the maw of the beast, as it were, uh, especially if you're in New York state and, you know, Wall Street, the financial central uh, district in this country is is in your state. So you're in just like the fucking belly of the beast and you see (laughs) how it all just, you know, swallows everything whole and you're like, well, okay. There's not much you I think you go around to the other end of it. You're like, okay, well, there's not much I can do, but maybe I can do just a little bit of it. And so you like you wrap your head around the little bit that you can do and you imbue it with a lot of importance. And so I actually feel for very many of these legislators who kind of come in like the state Senate, for instance, or the Assembly, they come in and they will get like a, a bit of legislation passed or they'll get something that they can tack their name onto. And for them, it's like it seems like it's the most important thing in the world because one you maybe you sponsored it or maybe you're behind it or whatever, but ultimately it doesn't translate into helping people in their their day-to-day lives. So, I think there's a disconnect where it's like if you get <laughs> you get so into what's happening that your small little accomplishment people are still getting kicked out of their homes but we did secure some funding for the fucking whatever and it's like great man (laughs) i i don't have the heart to tell a lot of them are like all right honestly what you did really
0: doesn't amount to shit but i'm i'm happy for you that you feel good about doing it. it's hard not not to be hyper focused on a district right because you have to show your constituents that you're doing something for them and if you're in maybe a more well-to-do district right uh, they may not give much of a shit about eviction moratoriums or, or or tenants' rights.
1: Well, and yeah, and this is something like is an actual transformational thing where it's like, I, again, I haven't read through all the text of the bill, so maybe somebody could point out like, actually, this bill sucks. Okay, fine. Whatever. But I just know that it is way too easy right now to evict people from their homes. Full yeah. stop. Mm-hmm. That there was an eviction moratorium for a long time due to the COVID-19 pandemic And eventually that's going to lift like it's already lifted, but eventually it was going to lift and without actually having an infrastructure in place to prevent people from just being kicked out of their homes, it was going to come to this anyway. It was going to be mass evictions. Everybody knew we talked about it during the heights of the pandemic as they kind of kept kicking the can down the road on evictions and the moratorium. There is going to come a day where that bill was due. And people are going to be, you know, <laughs> kicked out of their homes. And, and we had Adam Bojack on talking about like how bad it was starting to get out there for the tenants and the tenants rights movement where eh, tenants rights in New York state, especially like not, not so hot. We'll, we'll see where this, this, um, good cause eviction bill goes. If it goes anywhere, if not, you know, good luck out there, folks, <laughs> good luck getting kicked out of your houses yeah. into the streets but you know if you're looking for a way to uh, to pay for some of this stuff right uh, again, I, I might be we're all looking to pay for stuff everybody wants the moolah all right everybody wants the uh the the the, the greenbacks i mean some of us got the stimulus check like uh like terry Pegula, but not all of
0: us yeah, and if there's a big media corporation out there that's looking for some podcasters we we will take your greenbacks we, we will sell out for you we will sell out for you. We will sell. We'll we'll go full Joe Rogan, man. Yeah. I will. Yeah, I'll I'll become a vaccine denier. I don't give a shit.
1: You pay me enough money, and I will. I'll say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. But until that that until that day comes, I've got to do it honestly. So if you're the mayor of Buffalo, New York, and you're looking for some money for the city for the city coffers, I, I guess they really can't. I guess Byron Brown can't get into the vaccine denial business, huh? No. No, not yet, anyway. Not yet. Not yet. But what he can do, well, he can wait for the direct deposit to hit for the city of Buffalo (laughs) from the Seneca Nation. Oh, okay. So here's a fun little story that I didn't think was getting as much attention, but this is from WGRZ.com. Mayor puts tab owed to Buffalo following end of casino dispute at $40 million. 40 million buckaroos. It's a lot of money quite a bit the mayor from the article the mayor expects the funds to be sent from albany as soon as seneca's pay the state windfall for other local communities will be nowhere near as large what's going on here is that the seneca nation uh had an agreement with new york state and with the different municipalities to basically
0: like set up their um it's been in limbo for a while because andrew cuomo is a complete (laughs) fuck to the seneca nation yes Yes. And this has been like going on for many
1: fucking years. But there was an agreement where the casino revenue that there would be revenue sharing with the cities in order for the casinos to pop up. This article came out on uh, da, 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 January 13th. So on Wednesday, both sides announced they've not only agreed to negotiate a new casino compact to replace the current one, which expires in less than two years, but that the Seneca have also agreed to release nearly five years worth of casino revenue sharing payments that they had been withholding since the dispute began in 2017. So they were holding out the money. They're like, ah, nah, nah. you're not getting paid until we we hammer this shit out. Yep. Interesting to note, by the way, they finalized it once Andrew Cuomo is gone. <laughs> Funny how that works. Uh,
0: Kathy Ogle might have had a stake in the game.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say that having a, a governor who's from upstate New York is definitely a boon mm-hmm. to... Uh, Really all parties involved in this kind of negotiation, to be honest with you. Uh, But okay, so under the compact, which allowed them to operate casinos in Western New York, Seneca Gaming Corporation was to send 25 percent of slot revenues from each of their casinos to the state of new york the state would then send 25 percent of that amount so a quarter of a quarter uh <laughs> to the host communities where the casinos operate in niagara falls buffalo and salamanca In amounts proportionate to the size of the slot revenues at the casinos within their bounds According to sources, the amount the Seneca's have withheld since the latest dispute began five years ago has grown to five hundred and forty million dollars. Wow. And that is the amount New York State will be will glean. Oh somebody at WG <laughs> somebody at WGRZ.com really bust out their the source for yeah. this one. They're gonna glean. And that 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 verb doesn't even make sense there. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> that's the amount they will glean Think about that one as a result of the dispute being resolved. One thing here that they did mention though is that some of these host cities like Salamanca have been getting money from New York State basically on credit, as they assume that the Senecas would be paying them. So they've already been getting the funds from the state in anticipation of the money hitting the uh, the old state checking account but byron brown says hey dog uh
0: 40 million is set to come w- to Buffalo." where's he pulling this number out of his ass or
1: well he's definitely he grounded in reality well here's the like thing like the square is we are we are the reality based community here at the square yeah byron brown puts expected payment at 40 million so look niagara falls uh confirmed the city took a total of 15 million in advances oh, i'm sorry that was salamanca the Already took 15 in advanced. Niagara Falls has been taking annual advance of 10 to 12 million, but the city of Buffalo also took some advance payments. According to Byron Brown, the total was only about seven million. So therefore, Brown expects to receive 40 million from the state once the Seneca send payment to Albany. So <laughs> Guy, guy's always
0: looking for a miracle, isn't he?
1: You know, he quoted is quoted here saying uh, our plan for the use of this money will be reflected in the upcoming budget that we, re, uh, that we present to the Buffalo Common Council, Brown told reporters. Brown did not give many specifics beyond that. You could say he's looking out for Buffalo here. You could also say, too, that, hey, Byron Brown, as the mayor of Buffalo, is also looking that the, uh, the city budget is not doing so hot. Post COVID it's everybody knew. That was one of the things that we talked about with if India Walton won, like what kind of budget would she realistically be dealing with? We didn't know that the agreement with the Seneca's was going to be wrapping up so soon. And that Buffalo would be getting $40 million windfall, um, which is a lot of money. It's a, it's a lot. I know with these numbers, a lot of times it's like you're, you're, I, 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 fall victim to this myself where you become almost like number blind you could just hear you get 40 million 40 billion uh, buffalo billion i don't know 40 million dollars is a lot that can be applied to roads it can be applied to salaries it can be tax cuts for developers well it could always you could always do that but i mean it, it truthfully is like it's a lot of money for a city the size of buffalo just for its day-to-day operations money that is sorely needed so i i guess if we're going to be on the good side of the grift here rye yeah fine. You know, having the governor from upstate New York.
0: So if you want to help your mayor out, if you want to help your community out, get your asses to the casino in Buffalo and start playing those fucking slots. You play those slots. Play them like crazy. Yes. I don't care if you don't gamble. We talked about gambling last week with the sports gambling. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, Jim was very adamant that you only spend money that you don't care about losing. And I'm saying, no, <laughs> help Buffalo out and go play those fucking slots until you hopefully not to the point where you get evicted, but maybe just just uh, hovering above that. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, I say, yes, clean out your bank
1: account. Yeah. Put it all in the slots. Yes. Okay? Because we need you. The
0: city of Buffalo. You could win. The state you of New York the slots c- needs you. But you're definitely helping your community.
1: That's right. You volunteer, you give to charity. Fuck that, okay? Yeah, right. You go to the Seneca Gaming Corporation.
0: Yeah, what do you get out of get, get, giving to charity? What do you get out of that? Good feelings? Fuck hell. I want a chance of being rich. Hell yeah, dude. You pull,
1: it's like, a. It's like I've never done crack, but I imagine it's kind of like doing crack, where mm. you pull that lever, and you like see the bright light shining, and it goes, yeah. and then you lose $100 on a spin.
0: Mm-hmm. But it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. It's it, entertaining. It was cool. They and might you, get you a drink or two. Oh, dude, they hook you up with drinks that the They casino. do. Yeah. They do. They really do. They'll... Not play in the penny slots, they don't. Well, they
1: come to you last. Yeah, right. They usually put the, the penny slots by, like, the smoking sections in casinos, <laughs> yeah. but they're like, all right, you, you could play here all day, but, you know, your lungs won't be happy with you. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, last uh, little bit of interest here. Hey, Horm- we spoke a little bit earlier about billionaires taking re- uh, stimulus checks. This 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 one might be might be a little more devious. Hormos. Hormos speaking.
1: Speaking of billionaires. Speaking of gamblers, by the way. Yeah. Yes, our buddy Hormos Mansouri, who you may or may not remember, uh, ran a failed campaign. Unfortunately, unfortunately for all of us. For controller. For controller. Yes. Hormos ran a failed campaign to become controller. Well, it turns out that uh, the money where all that was coming from eh, might have came from some <laughs> some fraud. From a well, the Buffalo News reports yeah. this as a complex series of schemes. <laughs> <laughs> to fraudulently oh, obtain $3.4 in federally subsidized pandemic
0: loans. Um, oh, boy. He was cooking the books for PPP.
1: Oh, boy. Well, and Mencer used some of the pandemic relief money to pay off a $644,000 uh, debt to an unnamed casino. And... Another 200,000 was allegedly used to fund Mansuri's recent unsuccessful campaign to become Erie County controller.
0: So wait a second. I think it's more shocking that he spent 200 K and nobody really ever knew who the fuck he was, except for brain disease people like us.
1: He, you know, he spent a lot of money. Um, The article here says that, uh, that, uh, Hormoz is notorious for being like a long time political donor to both parties. Yeah. Both parties here in Western New York. Both sides. He likes to play both. <laughs> he likes to hedge his vets. Mm-hmm. He's a great gambler. <laughs> so, uh, Hormos, well, well, not not that great of a gambler, yeah. I suppose, but great great enough
0: of a gambler where, uh, you know, he... Well, he had that mentioned debts. Who knows how much he won? That's, That's true. That wasn't reported.
1: That's true. Nobody ever says... We don't says, know the skew. Right. Nobody ever knows, like, how much... Well, maybe the federal government knows how much you do. But they never report, like, Hormoz, how much did you win? Um, and frankly, I think if he... Listen, he kept up the scheme for quite some time. I controversial opinion, but I think he would have been a great controller. You think so? Oh, yes! Come oh. on, man. He he kept up, like, the series of the complex fraudulent <laughs> network of, of loans. That, that takes some financial acumen. Who would you rather... Do you think he'd be any worse than, like, Stefan Mihailu?
0: Oh, I think he'd be worse. I think we'd end up having a control board again.
1: Oh, jeez. Live a little, Ryan. We just said, we told our listeners to go out and gamble. Frankly, I would tell my controller the same thing. Go out and gamble with our money um, as much as possible. Now, what's interesting... (laughs) Put it all on red. Put it all on red. What's interesting about this article, which um, in the Buffalo News biggest donor to Buffalo politicians stung by charges. He defrauded pandemic loan program. If you're interested in reading the article, uh, it's very funny though, that uh, members of both parties are basically like, uh, yeah, we took all his money because he donated to everybody, but now we want nothing to do with him. So Len Lenahan is quoted here in the news. Uh, well, a little bit of background on Hormos Mansouri, an engineer who was born in Pakistan and raised in Iran. Mansuri said he arrived in Buffalo in 1972 with $6 in his pocket, but he gave more than $500,000 to politicians and political committees between 1999 and 2021. Uh, Len Lenahan is quoted as saying, over that period of time, I don't know of anyone in Western New York who has donated close to that amount to political causes, uh, said Leonard Lenahan, former chairman of the Erie County Democratic Committee. Hormos gave money to Democrats and Republicans. He is unique. He seemed to come out of nowhere and became known as a player, a really big player. Almost immediately said Republican Carl Calabrese, a former deputy County executive for your County Hormos had a very generous checkbook. You don't see donations like that in Western New York. Well, it turns out we saw why we don't see donations like that in Western <laughs> New York because it was mostly fraudulent. Um, then he got, pretty much busted by the federal government. The article also talks about like, he is kind of a degenerate gambler and would like lose hundreds of thousands of dollars a night um, while he was with some political operatives, you know, going out and gambling. So uh, happy trails, Hormos, you know, they don't, they don't make them like you. They don't, we can't, again, we can't tell our listeners in good conscience to go out and and put it all on red to play the slots. And, and this is a guy who is true blue committed to the cause. So that is all for the news of the week, Ryan. That's what we got. That's what we got. That's what we're giving it to you. No gym this week. Like I said, Um, but we got a special interview coming up for you. We do have a special interview coming up. We're talking with my personal friend, uh, Becca Whitkin of nickel city athletics, who just a completely awesome person, by the way, just throw that out there again i'm a little biased because she's my friend and i also go to her gym but we talk about uh we talk about nickel city and we talk about you know if you're a new year's resolutioner and maybe you kind of hit a snag in the road how maybe you can get yourself back on track in the world of fitness so please stay tuned for that and uh yeah we love you baby square gang, it's uh, it's the new year, Rye. It is, or, or so I'm told. I, I, you know, I operate on a different calendar. You know how they say, like, um, well, obviously, there's like the Gregorian
0: calendar, the Malahian cal-
1: calendar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I decided time is a construct, and I can, you know, live my life the way that I feel free to. Why not? But for the rest of you plebes living on, uh, you know, big, uh, what, what was the Roman guy's name who came up with the calendar? Big uh, Caesar's calendar. You're, you're, Did you're, the Julian calendar? Sure, yeah. Big Julius, okay. okay. Yeah.
0: You're you're hanging on to that. that- that was a few iterations of calendars ago. Well, look, man, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't keep track of all that, but I do know. What we got to worry about, I think, is the Mayan calendar, because shit got really fucked up. It got weird. It got, that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, you got to make think, your own calendar. I think they knew what the hell they were talking about. Well, put that aside. Look, New when's, Year. When's the good vibes phase? Of it's now.
1: It's now. We're in the good okay. vibes. We're bringing in the, the good vibes. calendar. Yes, in the Malachian calendar, bring the good vibes phase. And today, we're bringing the good vibes to you with my friend and owner of Nickel City Athletics, Becca Wicken, Becca, welcome to the square.
2: What's up, guys? Happy to be here.
1: Happy to have you. So on the show for the real square heads, we got got to think of a name for like our fans. The Rad Pack. The Rad Pack. We already did. Okay. You Uh, came up with it. Yeah. All right. That's true. Great idea. (laughs) Sounds amazing. Um, For the Rad Pack, for the real Rad Pack members here, you will remember that we had uh, the previous owner of Nickel City Athletics, Chris Heeb, on the show. He's great. We love him. But we love Becca, too. And Becca talk to us about owning a gym because we, we talked to Chris, he had his take. He's not a young woman. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not uh, a young woman coming in and, you know, into this crazy world of CrossFit functional athletics. So talk to us a little bit about, about you and about owning the gym and buying it and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm not new to the world of functional fitness by any means. Right. Um, I, I, Bunch of different roles at another local facility across like seven, eight years. So very familiar with everyone in the Buffalo fitness community. It's a pretty, pretty small group of people. Everyone knows each other. So earlier this year, Chris had approached me, let me know that he was moving, kind of offered um, the option to take over the gym and went through the whole process, took about three, four months, um, and then officially took over in June. Um, And it is very interesting being a female owner in a male-dominated industry, for sure. To my knowledge, I am the only sole female owner of a strength or barbell-style gym in Buffalo. There's lots of partial owners, utmost respect for them, but being the sole owner of a style gym like that has some really cool opportunities and difficulties as well.
1: That's pretty wild. I know that there are many male-dominated fields in this world, in this crazy little world of ours, but fitness seems to be like one where... It's almost like, in my mind, exclusively male-dominated. And, and yet you're a young woman who, like you said, you have a ton of experience. I know you said um, you've worked at previous like functional fitness gyms in pretty much like managerial roles. Like yes, very you pretty much, so. much ran shit for, yes. <laughs> for a long time, but now you actually run the place.
2: Well, it's interesting because in other male-dominated industries, um, whether it be engineering or like math, science, construction-based things... It's it's one aspect, but in fitness, especially in the world of Instagram and TikTok and social media and content, women in fitness are generally sexualized, whether we want to or not. So then when you own a facility um, in this realm, being seen as a leader and a businesswoman and a confident, capable individual that is capable of doing the same thing that men do without having that like sexualization aspect of like posting pictures of you working out in a sports bra and stuff like that it's a very fine line to walk um because most of the time when people walk into a gym especially in the west side of buffalo they don't expect like a four or five four like 30 year old woman to be honest like i'm I'm not very big in physical stature and i'm not the stereotypical gym owner which i love i like i i live into that because that's why I do this, this can be accessible for anyone. But the first face value of that is, it's always interesting trying to immediately gain respect from others when you're not the stereotypical person in this role.
1: Now you obviously said you've had ties to the fitness community here in Western New York for a long time. Um, But it's one thing to be like part of the community and it's another thing to like go your own way, buy a gym, be a leader. Has there been any kind of like pushback in in community or has it all just been like, hey, Becca, awesome, congratulations?
2: It's honestly been like overwhelmingly positive, um, which is pretty cool. I wouldn't say that I got any negative feedback or pushback or anything like that. The interesting thing is, though, that the overwhelmingly positive feedback, communication, people reaching out when the news kind of became public knowledge was overwhelmingly from other female owners of spin studios, yoga studios, bar studios, the other like co-female owners of functional fitness gyms, not for any reason other than I, I have connected with them over the years. I do know all of the other gym owners in Buffalo just due to the things I've been involved in, but overwhelmingly it was the, any communication was from other women.
0: Okay, so the guys like shut their mouths and jeez, it's oh. a little disheartening in my opinion.
2: I well, mean, uh,
1: yeah, come I'm, on, yeah, come on, fellas. I I know, I. Not to not to paint a bunch of meatheads. Yeah, I was about well, to say not to paint them with a broad brush, but you're living up right. to the stereotypes here, boys.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I don't know if it's just that like that type of communication isn't expected from men where it is from women. I mean, mm. we could go into a whole like cultural bias, but <laughs> yeah. um, different different podcast episode there. Um, I mean, I did hear from other coaches and some of the male owners, but overwhelmingly it was other women that I've worked with, um, which was cool. It, it's cool to feel that support as well because again, Buffalo is a it's not a small city. It's a big room. So, whether or not we want to hear or pay attention to what other people think or say, we kind of have to because it is such a small community.
1: So, what's it like owning a gym like in your? Because you're from you're from Allentown. Like you live in the Allentown neighborhood. You now own a gym in Allentown. You're not traveling to you know Amherst or Williamsville or whatever. Like this is your backyard. This is your hometown. What's it like? um, to sort of have that dynamic, like uh, the gym's like five minutes away from home or whatever. Yeah,
2: it's pretty freaking awesome to be honest. Um, I've always wanted to own a facility in the city of Buffalo. Um, I grew up in the suburbs and after undergrad, I moved into the city and just truly feels like home. And I find that I'm able to, I mean, you, you, you attract what you put out type of thing. So being in the city and in my own neighborhood, about two and a half blocks from my apartment, I feel like I'm truly able to give back to my people or connect with people like me who are at li- a very similar point in life or similar dynamic or thought process. Um, I have a lot of passion for the city of Buffalo, Allentown, West Side. Whereas when I was working in the suburbs, of no fault of anyone here, it I couldn't do that. I couldn't give back to my own neighborhood that I lived in when I was working for a gym that was not in that neighborhood.
1: Now you, you're you talking, you know, you're 5'4", five, five, you know, a, a petite person and, and here you are like kicking ass and like leading this world of functional fitness. Um, you and I, cause f- full disclosure listeners, I, I do go attend nickel city athletics. I'm a member, <laughs> so I'm in the bag for this, but, but we've talked before that you've kind of taken an unusual path, not unusual, but you're not somebody who coming into it felt like you were like super fitness. Like you weren't meathead jock in high school or I'm, you know, on the rowing team or something.
2: Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I say this very frequently in my classes and to athletes that, um, I am not a natural athlete. Um, most of my athleticism I've had to work for and I find that that makes me a better coach long-term because I can understand when something doesn't come easily. Um, I was a very, very shy child. Um, I still don't like ball sports, like not, not my thing. Um, I'll rock climb, I'll do CrossFit, I'll ski, I'll hike, I'll backpack, Hold nine yards. Um, don't put me on a kickball t- kickball team. Um, <laughs> anyways, but it does make me a better coach because I've had to learn and teach myself th- through those struggles of like not being a natural born athlete. Not saying that people who are athletic naturally aren't incredible as well, but it...
0: Like Snake over here. He <laughs> just la- came out of the that. womb, just, you know, <laughs> an Adonis. No, no, I've had, to, I've had to work for it myself. Yeah, Sim- similar... Well, it doesn't show. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I've been doing it a while. Luckily, I had a... A family who is into lifting weights, so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to your point, like people like Michael Jordan, you know, people who who are like at the top of their game, they 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 don't maybe they may not make great managers and coaches because it just came naturally to them. Not to say they didn't have to work for this or that, but you know, someone who had to grind it out, I think, is a much better coach
2: for sure. And I mean, looking at when you hire someone for this type of role, um, in the CrossFit functional fitness world, it's been probably about 15, 20 years since this whole thing came about. And initially, I mean, I've been involved in this for about a decade now. You would see a lot of like the best athletes with like the top scores or were the strongest, were like, well, I want to coach, which is great. A lot of them do make great coaches, but the best athlete in the room does not always make the, the best coach. Um, you really have to be able to connect with people and understand the struggles that each individual athlete is going through, um, which is one of the coolest parts because my job is never boring.
0: Yeah. You know, you have to be you you have to treat everyone as an individual. There's no cookie cutter plan, right? And oh, there's yeah. and there's a psychological component to to this as well, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. And again, this is something I talk about pretty frequently. Is that like I strongly believe that our like mental and physical health are directly correlated, and I use fitness in my own life to help support my mental health. In addition to other yep. other things, can't be the only thing. But in this world of, of fitness kind of looping back is generally these places feel inaccessible to anyone who isn't a straight white man. Not for any, not for any reason other than that, like this meathead weightlifting culture in the past has been for men. Um, So coming into this role, into the West Side, into a pretty diverse neighborhood and community that we have at Nickel City, my goal coming into it was that this type of fitness can truly change anyone's life, whether you are a teenager, male, female, non-binary, doesn't matter what age you are, 70, 22, this can add to your life and add quality to your life. And going into this, I wanted to create the most accessible gym possible because the space shouldn't feel intimidating for anyone to walk into. And so that moving forward with Nickel City and as Reno's knows cause I, he comes to the gym. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my goal is that anyone can truly walk into our space and find how funct- functional fitness or fitness in general can add quality to their overall life.
1: Nice. Yeah. It's a real shame that, uh, the idea, and we'll talk more about this at, you know, the second part of the interview, but it's a real shame that the world of fitness became like this macho mm-hmm.
0: dominated, like Gendered male. Because, yeah, I've been in gyms, you know. Well, well, so, you know, you get your bodybuilding gyms, you get your powerlifting gyms, you know, people bleeding from their nose because they just did a 500. Or, or better deadlift or bench or whatever. Destroying their like, bodies with how, juice how and can, stuff. How can that know? not intimidate you, right? Especially when you're yelling and grunting. And for someone coming in new, and I know a lot of people have the sentiment that, oh, newbies come in and after the new year. They're so annoying to get in my way. You should be welcoming them into the fold. They're trying to better themselves. You know? Oh, absolutely. So.
2: Totally. And I would say that it was more, it's more in the like Lobo Gym setting. So, like, whether it be Planet Fitness or. What, whatever else like the 999 a month or uh, $19.99 a month and you're just going with weights can be that significantly more intimidating setting for newbies coming yeah. in and like people judging them. And there's this whole thing about people, Instagram and TikTok make, sure. make it super easy to record someone doing something silly, put it online and it go viral.
0: Yeah. Um, They'll and, do that instead yeah. of offer advice, yes. right? And, um, gym fails. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, exactly. Um, in the setting of more of a boutique or like micro gym, which is what these types, what my type of gym is considered is like a very small boutique or micro gym you don't usually find that because it is such everyone knows each other it's a very tight-knit community our culture is pretty strong so you generally wouldn't find that type of like mocking ability or if someone was recording someone that they didn't know in the gym i would it would immediately be an issue across the board everyone (laughs) everyone would question it it wouldn't even be like a a, just a coach like any member would be like um excuse me what are you doing
1: Uh, becca it's it's truly something um i would say I don't want to say unique because I don't want to write off other gym owners or other other spaces, but I do think it's something special that um, you have fostered at, at Nickel City—a um, very welcoming environment for people, all sorts of different levels of fitness, all sorts of different um, different backgrounds, whatever they're kind of kind of trying to overcome. Which Would I, you I think say, good vibes. Absolutely, great vibes. <laughs> vibes through the roof at uh, at NCA. Just real quick, though, I do want to talk about. Uh, a little bit, because I know we're talking about fitness journeys. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But I am curious about your personal journey. I saw on on the internet recently that you were tagged in something regarding uh, a little bit about your background and a little bit about your struggles with with hearing loss and, and that you've come a long way personally. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd love just to talk to you about it a little bit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I was born premature, I think about like eight weeks pre me, 32 weeks. I was like three pounds when I was born. 1991, obviously we didn't have the science and stuff that we have now. Um, they thought I had a whole plethora of issues. Turns out I'm pretty much okay. My ears were not fully developed. Um, I had pretty chronic issues with my ears growing up. Well-versed in the offices of my ENT. Um, like 12 sets of tubes throughout my young adult life. Chronic ear infections. Couldn't swim under four feet because it bother my ears whole nine yards. Didn't wear hearing aids then. Um, not for any one reason or another it just wasn't recommended continued to grow up high school ears stabilized a little bit i knew i couldn't hear you know you guys remember when you were in middle school and you would go for the like your hearing test in the nurse's office well they would call my parents and be like back i can't hear and they're like no no no, we know like this is like that we we know this fast forward to my undergrad career i went to SUNY Oswego had a whole bunch of different type of leadership roles my senior year I was student association president and I was in meetings with these high-level administrators, deans, board members, whole nine yards. And I was like, I can't hear them. Like, what is going on? I can't hear these older men. Like, what's going on? Came home for winter break, thought I might have had an ear infection, called my ENT. They're like, well, it's been four years, so you have to go to an adult ENT rather than a pediatric. Here we go. Send you to this place. Go get them checked out. They do the whole hearing test, all the pressure tests, whole nine yards. Not new to me. The ENT walks in and um, I have, a, I have a great doctor. ENTs are generally pretty cold people. Um, they're not warm beings. So he walks in, kind of gives me the rundown. He's like, okay, you need hearing aids. Here's your script to go to, to the, to hearing evaluation services. It was like 19 or 20, very vain just at the time. And I was like, I don't need hearing aids thinking it's like a cochlear implant or a really big piece like behind my ears wouldn't have mattered. I just was like, I don't need that. Cause I had the, I had the stigmas that everyone else has with hearing initially. And he was like, no, 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 just go. Fought it pretty hard. I have great parents. My mom's like, you need to fucking go. Um, <laughs> I went, in walks in Dr. Rebecca Witter. She's probably 26, 27 at the time, not much older than me, runs triathlons, very athletic, very young. She's like, yo, just, just try these a week. Like, not a big deal. Don't stress about it. She was like, you need these. But Don't be weird about it. I was like, all right, fine. Initially connected with her pretty quickly. This was, I want to say 2012 or 2013 and might be dating myself a little bit. But do you guys remember those Alex and Ani bracelets that everyone used to wear? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so got fitted for these hearing aids. I'm sitting in this just like metal office chair. had tons of those on my wrists. And I put my my wrist down just onto like the, the arm rail of the chair and I like jumped because the noise was so like surprising. Oh, wow. soon, yes. Oh, wow. um, turns out I didn't know cars made noise when they passed you. Didn't know the refrigerator made noise when it ran. Garage door. Didn't realize how loud it was. I was missing a lot. Um, not quite sure like why I didn't wear hearing aids before. Um, and at first I was very, didn't really tell many people. Um, I have a lot of hair. Hearing aids have come a long way. They're very little. You can't tell that most people are wearing them unless it's like a, a gentleman who has a shaved head and there's like no, yeah. there's nothing there. Um, pretty much changed my life. And my family jokes that they didn't think I was funny. Turns out I just couldn't hear the punchlines or the <laughs> ability to make the jokes. Um, was it
0: overwhelming when you first started hearing these oh, sounds?
2: Oh my god, absolutely! It's like, do either of you wear contacts or glasses at all? Yeah. Okay, so anyone who does knows that when you get a new prescription, you get kind of a headache for a couple of days. Yep. It was like that times like tenfold. Like your brain with sound processes things differently so it filters out a lot of what you hear your brain when it doesn't hear everything at first and then does doesn't know what to filter out so I was exhausted at first like your brain's just working on overdrive um turns out pretty life-changing hearing aids great thing and then as I kind of worked in my 20s and took the some of like that vanity fell away I was like why isn't this talked about like Hearing aids are not a big deal. I literally call them contacts for your ears. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stigma surrounding hearing loss because generally it's someone older um, who is struggling with like a change of age into their later life that wears hearing aids. Um, turns out a huge portion of the population has hearing loss, but it, it is a very inaccessible resource for people. Um, acknowledging my own privilege here, I have the ability to, whether it be financing or or pulling from savings to pay for hearing aids, um, most insurances do not cover them. And they're anywhere from 4000 to $10,000 a piece. they pricey. Very oh, yeah. pricey. And insurance, most health insurances consider them a prosthetic that you don't need to live. Um, so they are not covered by health insurance. You don't need to hear. Yeah, it's no. okay. So that's the thing. Like I, I have the privilege to be able to have access to that type of health care. A lot of people don't. But as I've entered my 30s i realized that like there's no reason not to talk about this i'm not again the average stereotype of someone who has hearing loss um and so i started talking about it more with, on social media with friends i used to have coworkers that like i didn't say i wear hearing aids and like four or five years in i'd say something and they're like wait what <laughs> and i was like okay i need to be more open about this so now anyone who walks in the gym or i meet anyone and in a louder setting i generally preface it with like i do wear hearing aids if i don't answer you if you say something from the side or behind like that's why i'm not ignoring you my audiologist dr witter um is actually a member now at the gym and she is pretty incredible best medical professional i've ever worked with advocated in a way that i don't think a lot of doctors do um she's actually pretty pretty badass woman herself so when i got new aids about this time last year i had posted about it i was like technology's come a long way hearing loss is nothing that shouldn't be talked about one of my peers from Oswego, who is now a journalist, saw the post, contacted me then, and said, hey, can I write an article about this? I was like, sure, why not? So a couple months passed by. was summertime. He calls me. We do a phone interview. He asked for confirmation. I had to like, make sure that the hearing evaluation services could give information as needed. And all of a sudden, the article was posted. And I was like, all right, this is cool. And the response has been pretty amazing. And it's one of those things that still surprises me. It's like, it is it's not easy to be hard of hearing at all. Um, but I've had so many people, like a shocking amount of people since I posted last year about the hearing aids and the article a couple weeks ago, reach out to me and be like, hey, how do I get tested for this? I really think I, I need this. And I didn't know where to start. I didn't know that people our age had hearing loss. And it's pretty cool, again, to advocate for people in, again, health is all encompassing, mental, physical, like hearing, gym all of it to, to be an advocate or a resource for my peers and my community in a way that I didn't think being so open about it could let me be.
0: That's incredible. I mean, what, look at you improving lives.
2: Yeah. Right. That's it's the great. goal, isn't it? It's That's great. the goal.
1: That's the goal. That's yeah. what an incredible story that is. I, I, I wanted to talk about it cause I just, I was like really profoundly moved by it. Honestly, that it, um, you know, that's something where it's, like, it's so personal to you. And, like, a lot of these things that we sort of deal with in our own lives, you just don't like to talk about it because it's uncomfortable. I, I sure, I'm sure, like, the first time you told somebody you had hearing aids, it was, like, ah. Uh, maybe it was, uh, for for me, like, there are certain things that, like, about myself that I've still, you know, like, I I have, like, orthodontics. Like, so I, I'm doing Invisalign stuff, and it's still pretty self, like, I'm pretty self-conscious about it, so I don't really talk about it a lot. But I think it's pretty, um using the word pretty a lot i don't know what's going on with me today
2: are you feeling pretty i'm
1: feeling pretty i feel pretty uh no but i think it's um, I, I think it, it, it really is moving and and it's super powerful so thanks for sharing with uh with us um that story back to the world of the gym though so you faced you faced enough adversity in your personal life becca all right but now you're dealing uh with that, you don't have to worry about these, these shitheads that you're dealing with uh, externally because Nickel City is, as far as I know, right, the only gym in the city of Buffalo that is vaccine-mandated um, at this point?
2: No, there's a there's a lot of gyms oh. overall, like okay. spin studios, uh, bar studios, stuff like that. As far as I know, we are the only functional fitness gym that has mandated a vaccine requirement or has a vaccine requirement in the gym publicly, um, I do think other gyms have. I haven't seen anything, so again, I can't speak to what happens in other gyms' four walls. And I don't want to like have any judgment there because I do think some have mandated it internally. Um, it is their choice whether they post on like publicly, email, social media. Um, but as far as I know, we're the only one who pretty quickly publicly said like that we required vaccines to be a member or enter our gym.
1: Yeah, almost as soon as um, county executive polling cars put out that memo where it's like, hey, either you're vax mandated or, you know, you have to wear masks again. Um, your, your gym came out and said, all right, we're, we're going full vaccine mandate, which uh, not so many of the other functional fitness CrossFit gyms, uh, as you said, have been willing to do. And in fact, some of them have been giving you uh, a bit of shit for it. Shall we say? Uh,
2: um, yeah, not locally. Um, uh, nationally, though, we've gotten some interesting um, kickback from um, some very prominent accounts in the world of uh, functional fitness.
1: Yeah, talk to us about that. What are what's going on in the the CrossFit meme world? What, what are they doing? <laughs>
2: okay, so we posted that we had we were doing the Vax mandate. Only like completely one hundred percent positive internal feedback. Members were thrilled. No one likes working on a mask. We'll do it if we have to, um, of course, but. I was pretty confident that our entire membership was vaccinated. Um, turns out that was true. Um, so when I said that we were going to have that mandate so people wouldn't have for a mask to work out, it was very well received. Put on social media, again, overwhelmingly positive feedback. We did get some negative comments um, on Instagram and stuff like that of the standard anti-vax stuff. Um, people taking away like their liberties and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, mind you, I'm I'm Jewish on both sides. So when people relate uh, vaccine mandates to the Holocaust, it like grinds my gears. <laughs> um, so we that's a whole whole different story there, whole different whole different topic. Um, uh. So over generally overwhelmingly positive response. Fast forward a week or two, and the gym. I get a notification on my phone. The gym got tagged in an Instagram story from this like CrossFit memes like meme account that has like half a million followers. Like. And I was like, "This has to be a mistake. This is weird." So I open it up, and I'm like, "Hmm, this feels weird." And they had screenshotted our our profile and posted like, like kind of took our copy from our bio and said like, "This is what this gym is doing." Like, great space in Buffalo, New York. And I was like, "That that's what feels weird." So I click over to the account that I'm familiar with, anyways, because they post some fu- like really funny content. It's like, why are they? Why are they? This is usually just like comedy. So I click on over, and I'm like, maybe they're just like like promoting small gyms. No, we were the only ones they posted about. And I was like, this is strange. And I had other friends in the community. So, of course, I reposted it, because why wouldn't I? That like, huge account called Shouting Us Out in a Positive Way. Yeah. Other friends in the functional fitness community had like reached out to me, and they were like, um, what was that about? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth here. We're just going to roll with it. Maybe they just, who knows. A couple days later, we got a comment on our initial post. It was probably like three four weeks after the vaccine mandate and, and we we post a fair amount, so someone had to go back a fair amount of in our posts to find the po- to find the initial announcement. And it's this guy who worked for CrossFit headquarters as like a media content creator, like one of the OGs. So if you watch any of like the old CrossFit documentary stuff, like he's very much like a figure and a filmmaker, et cetera, et cetera. They have documentaries on Netflix; they're cool to watch for sure. But he had commented something something negative about the vaccine mandate. Um, on our post, on our Instagram. And I'm like, this guy has like 100,000 followers. This feels weird. Like, how, how did he f- find our our gym? You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, he's based in California, most of LA, New York City, Chicago. Like, these big cities have CrossFit gyms who require vaccines. So I'm like, this feels weird. Um, How did he find us? And he commented that, and I was like, all right, like, let's move on. I can't overthink this, or I'll drive myself crazy. But three days later, I get tagged again by the initial meme account i mean like this gym's doing amazing things and so again i respond like i to in a dm to this account i was like hey like thank you so much just curious why us um why like uh, our little gym buffalo new york and he's like this this person he named the filmmaker he's like keeps like trolling you in his instagram story and he was like every time i see it he's like this is my way of supporting you because it's like complete like bullshit that he's doing this so i'm like wait so I go over to this filmmaker's Instagram. We're the only gym that he's trolling. I don't know what, I, I don't know how he found us. I don't know why us. And he, so he like keeps like tagging us. And then, so I wonder
1: then, if it has anything to do with a, somebody that name rhymes with Dobby Renero, shall we say?
2: Oh. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I would say Buffalo has gotten some really interesting uh, media surrounding all of this throughout the past year it might I'm not sure so then when this filmmaker was tagging us we were getting more negative comments and people blowing up our instagram it was a picture of of, of two of our members two of our members one is a social worker who works with like opiate addictions and the other is a very openly gay woman, and there's like a, a cute picture of them hanging out at the gym, and this random person on the internet was like, "Oh, look at those two beta males," and I'm like, "You really, you really like, you're really looking at that, and that's what you're choosing to post, if that's how you're spending your time." <laughs> Jeez, um, so we've just, it's, it's been funny. I feel like we were caught in this weird hailstorm storm of like these two huge accounts, just using us to like promote or tear down. Honestly, it doesn't affect my everyday life. It doesn't affect our gym. I guess if you get some hateful comments on social media, it means that you're standing up for something that you believe in. Um, I have not regretted my decision once to have the vaccine mandate this past year, two years, two or three years. We're in years three of the pandemic. Okay. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, um, so fucking crazy. Crazy. Um, it has been very interesting to be in the world of fitness um, and there's a lot of opinions and a lot of passionate people on all sides of this. Um, a lot of information on misinformation, anything you can find to live in your own echo chamber can be found on the internet, specifically in the world of fitness. My thought process is that I can control what happens in our four walls. And that's about it. And what I can do to advocate for the safety and health of our, and comfort of our members and the people who want to be in the setting that we are in. And that is like what I can do. No question. I I personally had no question ever if I was going to get the vaccine or not. I've heard some really, really, really smart people in my life, like, (laughs) like PhD chemists, immunologists, MDs, PhD, MDs, PhD MBAs, like that. I've had very extensive conversations with this stuff about, um, and I, I trust their knowledge far more than something I read online. Yeah. Um, unfortunately we're living in a world that's very split right now and you can find what you're looking for, whichever way you feel. Um, sure truly, can. truly sure can, sure can. Um, so again, looping back to what we were talking about, I want us to be the most accessible, inclusive space that we can be, um, while also maintaining, a level of safety for our members because yes, it sucks to be a gym in the middle of a pandemic. Um, no one's going to dispute that, but we can only continue to do what's best for us and our, and our membership and stand up for what we believe in. Um, and I don't have to tear anyone else down to do that. And I think we really try to maintain like a positive outlook here. Um, I find that again, I've only gotten positive feedback and I have the utmost respect for my other peers in the fitness industry and in Buffalo, who have required vaccines, because it's not an easy thing to do, whether you're a spin studio, yoga studio, bar studio, um, all of that. And we're just taking it day by day. It's the best it's the best we can do.
1: Well, and not for nothing, too. I mean, you're a gym in Allentown. You want to go to the bars in Allentown? Even the old pink came out and said, all right, we're doing vaccine mandates. Sure. So. You wanna to go to the bars in Allentown, you gotta it's sweeping the, the street, baby. You you wanna to go to the gym in Allentown, you gotta be vaccinated. Like
2: Well, that's the thing. Like I I wasn't revolutionary here. Like right. to go to a Bills game, you gotta be vaccinated. To go to Shays, you gotta be vaccinated. To go to Goodvar, you have to be vaccinated. <laughs> so I by no means was revolutionary here. Um I just think in the fitness industry it feels a little bit more intense sometimes.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm just more pointing out that like like yes, you took a stand in your community, like in the, the broader fitness community, but also to the realities of like where you do business. Hey, listen, there's probably people who might not be at your gym today because they don't feel comfortable if they were at a place that wasn't vaccine mandated.
2: Oh, 100%. Um, we're in Allentown. It's a very progressive area. Um, and I think it would have been more detrimental to our membership not only numbers wise, but just to the overall morale and culture that i have working pretty hard to develop if I didn't do it. So, um, I try to make the best decisions for the overall membership and try to cut out as much noise as I can and look at things from a relatively emotionless standpoint, which I find pretty hard to do because I am a big ball of emotion all the time. <laughs> um, I feel all the things, but again, um, our membership was definitely the for the people at our gym in our community in our culture in our neighborhood it was the right thing to do
1: yeah for sure for sure so as we're um uh, moving towards the latter half of the interview here becca we're you know i mentioned at the top here that um it is it is a new year and people have fitness goals oh yes and and ryan here pointed out astutely that you know a lot of po- a lot of folks make and then proceed to break their fitness goals as they come into these new years it's a it's a benchmark you know, it's something that you can point to. It's like, it's like Monday. Like I'm going to start X on Monday because it's just like, it feels like you're hitting the reset button. And the new year is very much that for a lot of people for health, wellness, dieting, etc. Like any, any sort of like, I'm going to be better and improve my life. The new year is the time where, you know, you feel comfortable or you you could just point to that when you're going to start. And yet uh, people like to joke about the resolutioners at the sure. gym, but it's true. It seems that there is a high... Welcome them. Well,
0: Yeah, welcome them. I mean, there, there does seem to be like a high level of attrition, obviously. So if you're at the gym and you love doing it, why would you not want to share that love with someone else?
1: Oh, for, for and sure. And bring
0: them up in that, in that
1: uh, a- absolutely. sport. Absolutely. No, for sure. And I think there's a, there's a level of responsibility that you have to other people you see walking in and, and making that resolution. But I want to talk uh, to you, Becca, about those people who might be deciding to make those changes or maybe they've they decided and they made the resolutions and maybe they hit hit a snag or maybe you know like the new year they're same me whoops (laughs) I I did not much changed talk to our listeners here maybe even some of our listeners are sitting there saying ah god you know 2022 was going to be the year and now we're in the middle of 2022 of January and it's not their year yet what what do you help help our beautiful listeners who i know they're all fit a uh, uh, golden gods they're just <laughs> bronzed you know their muscles rippling uh, every single one of them but for for those of uh Health comes in many forms yes yeah. yes but for those of them who are not and who who want to uh really improve their their fitness and wellness talk to us about some things that they can do or maybe can look at
2: yeah so i find that with New Year's resolutions, it's, just a, it's a cultural thing. We all like this idea of starting fresh. And a new year is the perfect time to do that. It's funny that we bring this up because I actually had a goal-setting seminar at the gym yesterday for our members, which um, plays directly into this. The hard thing is with a New Year's resolution, it's usually these big things people want to do. I want to lose 50 pounds. I want to eat clean. I want to not drink. I want to A, B, C, D, E. It's these huge goals, which are incredible generally with goal setting when it's this big thing it feels very overwhelming and at any hiccup in the road it's extremely discouraging and usually like one hiccup two hiccups and i'm done with these big goals there needs to be pretty like small actionable steps and i speak from experience here like i got big goals looking at those big goals without taking like little tiny steps to get there it feels very overwhelming um in that progress with fitness or goal setting in general um is not linear there will always be like forward progress a little bit back forward progress a little bit back fitness in general is not a linear path so for these resolutioners who are struggling or feel like they like new year save me they wanted to be a new year new me look at your goal write it down and then what are like three things you can do today or this week to help get get you there and with those three things and put it in your schedule. Create very easy small things. So let's just use an example. I want to lose fifty pounds this year. Um, if that's if that's what you choose. Okay. So how are we gonna do that? First you're gonna exercise three times a week and eat well. Okay, so how are you gonna eat well? When you go to Wegmans, have a list, have a plan, whole nine yards. I'm gonna like pre pack my lunch Monday through Friday, pre cook dinner three times for the week, and that's something you can do this week. You put it in your schedule to work out. Like I know Monday, 6.30 a.m. I'm going to go to class or to the gym or whatever. And you put it in your calendar along with all your other work meetings, all your other things next to your dentist appointment. You actually schedule it. It's it's those little steps that can hold yourself accountable rather than trying to reach this huge goal without an action plan. Motivation is fleeting. Um, yeah. It's like creating those like rituals, those routines, that discipline. Um, that's really going to get you there. Because again, motivation is... Ex- it's it's not always gonna be there, but your responsibility, your commitment to yourself will be.
0: A lot of people they will screw up their diet one day. They had a bad day, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna eat like a pint of tom and cherries. And then there goes their motivation. Instead of being like, Okay, I had I had a uh, a little bit of a step back maybe i just need to get back on the horse and start on my goals again
2: totally i mean there's no there's no guilt in making a mistake we're all human we're all gonna make mistakes i make more yep. mistakes than most people i'll be the first one to admit it um <laughs> and yeah fuck yeah i love ben and jerry's i'll eat a pint too and yeah. then the next day i will still did You say eat. tom
1: and jerry's ryan did i say you tom and Jerry's? Tom and jerry's. <laughs> it's a pint of tom and jerry's you lush
2: i mean honestly i knew that exactly too. what you meant <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: um that's the thing though you just gotta you just gotta roll with it people are gonna, you're gonna make mistakes like it's in anything that you do I think it just feels so micro-focused when it comes to health and fitness because we are on our phones all day looking at Instagram and looking at these perfectly edited Photoshop pictures or you have these goals and you want to feel good in your skin and it's not just about trying to find happiness in that end goal and weight and fitness level and PR of a lift it's enjoying the process and really like feeling good and confident in yourself where you're at as well as where you want to be.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, and I want to just comment a little bit personally, because it's like one of those things where I think body image a lot of times plays into this. And I guess like there, there's a mentality before you get into to fitness where you're like, oh, I'm going to be the strongest and I'm going to look the strongest and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of, a lot of fitness, at least, at least for me personally, um, is like coming to terms like, all right, you know, you are, you have the body that you have and it's like working with that body and learning how to master the movements that you need to do with that
0: body. There's no single
1: prescription.
0: You've got to find that what works for you. Right.
1: Right. And it's like being comfortable with like who you are and what you look like. And, and then, okay, if there's things you want to improve, you certainly can. And there's, there's definitely steps you can take to get there, but like baseline, you have to feel, I, I think a lot of like the the, the new year, new me fitness stuff really comes down to just like negative self imaging, you know? And, and it's like, you're, you're throwing something down there you think can fix it. Like going, going to the gym is going to make me a, a better person. Well, it can help you. It could help you feel better and it can help you make positive changes in your life. That's not going to be the thing that fixes you. If you have, you know, things that are, you're really struggling with personally, but it can certainly aid you. And it, it can give you like a sense of focus into making yourself better, you know?
2: and I think that's where the diet and culture industry like thrives is that like people think they're going to find happiness in said goal weight or said pant size or said lose 30 pounds 30 days like no like that happiness doesn't lie within that that goal Um, it is finding confidence and happiness in who you are while you pursue that Um, which is honestly it's the fun of the process it's it's your goals are ever changing in fitness especially when you're doing it for a long time um and that's okay um it's fun to try new things and it's fun to have these big goals and once you hit those goals you're like okay cool I want to try this now and the way I look at fitness is yes like the big PRs the the events the competitions the new year's resolutions the weight loss like whole nine yards those are amazing incredible things and things that like the highlights of our day year month whatever you want to look at it overall though with health and fitness we just want to be able to move well throughout our whole life um if you have kids you want to be able to um like play on the floor with them and get up and run around with them if i want to be able to tie my shoes at 75 80 years old i want to continue moving and feeling good and that's the whole point of fitness in the long run is we're all going to age like god willing we will age and you want to be able to live a higher quality of life because of how you move your body throughout that entire process.
1: For sure. For sure. So for our, for our listeners, for our beautiful listeners who, you know, maybe they made some resolutions, maybe not, maybe they want to, uh, go to a gym and, and go to a, a functional fitness space that, Hey, Openly says it's safe. We're, we're vaccine mandated. All, all are welcome here. I'm in the bag, folks. Okay, this is my gym.
0: I love Becca. Well, I love the gym, but. And I think Becca just said, it's all about fun, right? Find something that you enjoy doing. And I think functional fitness is a great, it's it's so varied and, and there's so much variety with it.
2: And Absolutely. A lot
0: of people have more fun than just going to the gym and like doing bicep
2: curls. Totally. I mean, I hate working out by myself. Like I, I really don't enjoy it. I mean, I will because sometimes my schedule like requires it. But man, group lessons are fun. You make friends. It's hard to make friends as an adult, but like a gym setting and like a boutique or micro gym setting like ours, like it's, you meet friends, you meet like-minded people, you work out, you have fun, you feel good. And that's the magic of it.
1: So where, where can, if, if you were a listener of this show and you wanted to, to pop in or just to, to get a feel for, for Nickel City Athletics, how would we find you? How would they reach out?
2: Yeah. Um, so a couple of different ways, uh, nickelcityathletics.com, N-I-C-K-E-L, cityathletics.com. Uh, there's about a million like buttons on there that get started. Contact us, whole nine yards. Um, you could also hit us up on Instagram, um, DM us at Athletics Facebook, whatever channel you choose to reach out, I will answer. Um, we're very, again, accessible in that regard. We have a whole bunch of different options, whether it's classes, memberships, class packs. We have 24 seven open gym access through an app on your phone. So you can scan into the gym at any time. Um, we got a special little place in our corner of the West side, and we would love to have any of the listeners come try a class, hit us up and we'll get you started.
1: Yeah. Come work out with me. If, if anybody has any questions, I mean, I don't give up my social media, but I, but, it, but if you at the square, uh, Twitter account or whatever, yeah, I'll we'll, be happy to, I will be the one to answer, we'll get it like, to you know, yeah. get it, mm-hmm. get it. It'll, you know, it'll pop up to me here. So, well, Becca, thanks for joining us here at the square. Love talking to you. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll ha- make this our recurring, uh, love to. new yeah. year, new year, new me, uh, portion of the square. Cause we're all, we're all trying to get better folks. We are. You got to
0: get creative with fitness in Buffalo in the winter. Cause you can't go outside and do anything. Yes. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of content here for there's, sure. There's a lot
2: of content. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Becca.
2: Thanks, guys. Um, thanks for having me.
0: Of course.